Welcome to the HT Cambridge podcast. For more information, see our website, htcambridge.org.uk. Our reading is taken from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 21, and can be found on page 1031 in the Church Bibles. Luke chapter 4, starting from verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. May I speak in the name of the living God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I can barely begin to tell you how encouraged I am to be here this morning at HT, both at the early service at 9.30 and now with all of you. Um, And it's a particular joy, as I said at the very beginning of the service, to to be with all of you who are preparing to be confirmed. Um, Now, I don't want you to feel under any particular pressure, (laughs) um, but I'm going to talk to you a bit about uh, what you're entering into. Now, of course, Each of you has could tell us a unique story of how God has called you to this point. And um, and I'm sure many people here, your friends and supporters, will know that story intimately with you. But it's really important as we we begin um, and prepare for the act of confirmation itself that um, God has called each of you um, uniquely and completely to be his forever. And when we here to support you, I hope that you can feel waves of love and prayer coming at you from every angle uh, as you take this step. I think it was Tertullian, uh, one of the early church fathers, who said that confirmation is the ordination of the laity, ordination of lay people. So when you step up in a moment, when I ask you to make your decision in public, to stand for Jesus, um, you are accepting a, a particular anointing. Now, I don't know, not knowing you, what, what that is, but you may already have a sense of the shaping of, of, God's, of God's life in you, about what it means for your life to, be, to have been transformed because Christ is reigning in your heart. Um, my, both of my sisters 
He used to work in banks. And um, my sister, one of my sisters tried to convince me that as the denomination of the notes, sterling notes, gets higher, um, the Queen looks more friendly. <laughs> and by the time you get to the 50 pound note, apparently she's winking. <laughs> well, I think you know, that's my sister, of course, taking, a, taking the micking out of her serious brother. But um, one of the things she says about being a bank clerk is, she said, all the time, we're dispensing riches not our own. And as we gather with our friends here who are to be confirmed, and as we celebrate God's call in their lives, so we, we are put on the spot to think about what's the, the shape and purpose of God's call in our lives, including me um, as, as, as a bishop. Um, not so long ago, I went to a, a, an infant school, a children of around six and seven, um, and I was told by the head teacher they'd been thinking very seriously about what a bishop was for. I said, I'd like to find out, please. <laughs> so, um, so I went to the school, and we had this very solemn six-year-old come and present the findings <laughs> about what a bishop was for, and they decided a bishop was someone who lived in a palace and married princes to princesses. That was it. <laughs> um, but all of us are invited to interrogate what's God doing in, in my life at the moment? Um, because all are called, even those of us who think that we're, we're not worthy, you know, we think, well, if only people knew what I was really like, um, does God really know what a sinner I am? Well, he must do, mustn't he? But does he really want to use me? But this is, the, this is the point of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ to be one with us. This is the one who, um, a couple of chapters before, in chapter 2 in Luke, old Simeon and Anna had been waiting a whole lifetime for the coming of the Messiah. Imagine old Simeon peering into the face of every baby coming to be presented at the temple and thinking, no, that's not the one but being faithful, patiently waiting for the Lord to come, the anointed one to appear. And he lives long enough in his sort of shaking, palsied hands to hold this baby who is the hope of the universe, the word made flesh who can't yet speak, who's placed himself into our hands. But he's the one who grows in the power of the Spirit, grows in the power of the Holy Spirit, comes to be baptised, and comes to hear his father in heaven say, call him beloved. And today, we're saying, God is saying to you, all of you, beloved. Um, there is nothing held back in Jesus' love for you because we know it's been showered out in his obedience to the father on the cross and taking our sins away. So we are people who are called, who have been filled with riches by Jesus, riches that are not our own because they're about him, but riches that you, through this confirmation, all of us are called to dispense. At the beginning of our reading from Luke this morning, we see Jesus has emerged from his temptation in the desert. 
he has turned against, repudiated completely all the wiles of evil. Now, we know, if you look at the world around us, what's going on in Syria and Iraq at the moment, uh, the plight of all people and the obliteration of uh, the desired obliteration of Christianity, all signs of it, 1,800 years of faithful witness to the gospel, people trying to obliterate it. But Jesus defies all this evil. He won't accept the blandishments of it, uh, an invitation to dodgy power. He knows he has all the power he needs. He could call upon armies of angels if he chose. But he has all the power he needs in the Father's love. And we, as we gather to worship, if this is not to be just a kind of narcissistic you know, club outing, then it's profoundly about what another bishop was saying to us earlier in the week. It's about our godly defiance against evil. That everything that we're doing today, though it seems a modest step perhaps for people, is in the heavenly realm being rejoiced over as a step to holiness and goodness in defiance of the elemental spirits of the universe. So Jesus emerges from that temptation clear in his calling of what, his, what it, the Father is asking him to do, and he is immediately speaking in every place, and what happens? People begin to be full of his praises. And this is not a praise praising of him in his uh, celebrity, you know, being um, the latest smart rabbi on the block. This is about praising him for being transparently the one who not only proclaims the word, but is the word of the Father. The enfleshing of all human hope. And I would hope that all of us um, are day by day finding that our lives are threaded through with praise, praise of, of Jesus. But this is, what, this is what defines us as human beings. This is what forms us. We have a, a, a darsome vision to be people fully alive. It's taken from um, a great statement of a second century bishop, um, an experience of God refined by persecution and by holding the body of Christ together. And he says, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. And of course, the glory of humanity is the fullness of the glory of God. And that's the kind of vision we need, to want to be fully alive um, because we're full of praise. And the first thing about prayer and about our worship, which we've seen in our worship so far this morning, is the first thing about our worship is not asking for things for ourselves. Um, the first thing about all prayer and the ongoing thing about all prayer and worship is is adoration. The first and last thing about prayer is that we are 
praising God for his glory and grace. But um, there is no one else, nothing else, in our hearts that we would worship. Um, I have a cat um, called Hepsi, and of course, I, when I was ill once, and I, somebody brought me Holy Communion uh, that we're going to celebrate shortly, brought me Holy Communion to my, to my home, and the cat went wild, and I realised that she couldn't bear anyone else to be worshipped apart from her. <laughs> well, that may be all right for cats, but for human beings, um, and for those to be confirmed, we are, we are coming here humbly adoring with no one enthroned but Jesus in us. So there's this whole thing about praise. And, we, and that praise and adoration is not rootless. It's not a fantasy or a passing fad. It's rooted in what we discover as the story goes on in our reading. But Jesus goes to the synagogue, to, in, his home, in his home place. People know who he is. Well, that's Joseph's boy, isn't it? And he comes and sits quietly the worship proceeds, and when it comes to the reading of the Hebrew Scriptures, and the scroll is unrolled, and Jesus comes forward to read, and we'll look about what, he, what Isaiah says in a moment, but just think about it. Here is the one reading the word, reading from Isaiah that extraordinary, bold vision, prophetic vision about, about the future, about longing for the coming of Emmanuel, for the whole, all the nations to be coming into Jerusalem, the whole of the earth united in the presence of the Sovereign Lord. And the one who is the fulfilment of that longing stands there to read. I just think what it's like for us to be on this side of that fulfilment, to be those who know that the Scripture has been fulfilled and that the Anointed One, the Messiah, has come. And he's come, as Isaiah promised he would, uh, to be the one who, as a, the Anointed One, the one given all power by the Father over all things, is the one who's come to preach the good news to the poor. When the disciples of John are sent from, by John from, when John's in prison to ask Jesus, is he really the one? And there's a great list of things that are happening. The blind see, uh, the, the, those who can't, have no voice speak. And you could say, well, it's the end of the list, and the poor have the good news preached to them. But of course, it's an ascending list, not a declining list. But the people who have always been left out, the poorest of the poor, the people who couldn't keep the dietary laws of Israel, who couldn't keep clean enough because there was no water in the desert, the people shut out are the people who are now God's little ones. And for any of us who have ever felt on the outside, you know, on the outside, at the outside of the gate, people who've, some, some, pe some people I know, it's taken them four years to cross the, the threshold of a church because they thought, well, they won't want me. But anyone who's ever been shut out, and anyone we know who is downtrodden and oppressed, well, they are Jesus' special ones. And that includes us. The people who uh, offered the good news. Good news to the poor. 
and freedom to the prisoners. Mostly, of course, we know we come across people in prison. I, came across, I met somebody recently, a prison chaplain, who couldn't cope with carry on being a chaplain because people were coming to faith in Jesus and their circumstances didn't change. They still um, serving their sentence. But I've seen prisoners, lifers, their whole outlook changed by their lives being given to Jesus. And one saying to me, he said, it's, he said, the difference it makes is how I do my time. How I do my time is what counts. And I now make an offering of this to God. But for most of us, the real imprisoning that we experience or have experienced is our being imprisoned by sin, by the weight of our own failure, the things we do that we shouldn't do, the things we don't do that we should have done. And Jesus comes to forgive us our sins, to take that burden, that prison away, to make us free. A long time ago, when I was a theological student in this city, um, a bishop from uh, Mozambique, Bishop Dinis Singulani, came to speak to us. And I remember vividly what he said. He said, the trouble is not that God is withholding his forgiveness from us, but that we don't want it because we'll have to change. And the invitation with our candidates today is for us to pray that that prison door is blown open forever and that we, because we know that we're forgiven, we can be agents of Christ's forgiving love. You've heard for, already from Rupert that um, Archbishop Rajay from Rwanda is here and um, spending the day with us. And I, not so long ago, back in July, was, uh, spent some time with him and with my friend Bishop Louis, the Bish Bishop of Kigali. Um, and he took me to meet an archdeacon. Now, I was already um, told by somebody who was here for the 9.30 service, whose dad is an archdeacon, that he's going to report me, because I said at 9.30 that often people thought of an archdeacon, an Anglican archdeacon, as the crook at the top of a bishop's staff. <laughs> well, I met an unusual archdeacon in, in Rwanda, called, also called Stephen, like me, and he told his, he, we met him at his church that he's responsible for, and beside him was this other man, Matthias, who was silent. And, the, and the, uh, Stephen told us the story of how in the genocide, 21 years before, uh, one man had murdered most of his family. And as a result, his life had spiralled into chaos of self-reproach and guilt still to be alive and, and took to drink, and his life just fell apart. And the deepest, darkest pit of his need, he heard Jesus say, forgive. And as a result of that, and as so Jesus said, forgive, because I have forgiven you all of this. And Stephen rose up, went and sought out the murderer of his family in prison and forgave him. And when he, when, when he came out of prison, took him into his own family. And that man was Matthias, the man sitting silently beside him. And Matthias spoke and said, like the prisoner I, I'd talked about before, he said, I know that I'm forgiven by Stephen and profoundly forgiven by God, but I still live the consequences of what I've done. And my act of reparation is to be a witness to what God has done 
but not know in advance when we give our testimony whether the group is going to hug me or shun me. Well, we are here to live in, to having learned so much and been moved so much by our brothers and sisters in Rwanda and other places where being a Christian <laughs> means facing these hard questions and living courageously all the time. Well, we are invited in our own country with all of its dangers and snares and cultural pitfalls. Um, all of us are called to have a like confidence in God's forgiveness of us so that we among those who become the servants of Jesus in other people becoming free, in people recovering their sight. Maybe that for most of us, the recovery of an inward sight that helps us to see clearly through to the cross. The Sunday before, when I was a vicar, the Sunday before Christmas, Palm Sunday, people would flock and we had a lovely time. And as various people would then say, bye vicar, see you next Sunday. I said, well, what about Good Friday then? Oh, no, that's too sad. There's no Easter day, there's no stone rolled away without Good Friday. There's no hope for the world without Good Friday. And that's what we always need to be having our sight on and never being deflected. And that way, in our, we're, if we're made for adoration and praise, we're made to be the people who proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. In spite of people like Polly Toynbee, the decline and fading away of the church is um, not quite as she would hope. But what I see in my ministry around this part of the country and nationally is many signs of growth and hope not least here at Holy Trinity. And it inspires me to see all of you. Um, inspires me because I would hope that by, in my lifetime, a number of you uh, might be ordained. This is maybe the first step of call for you. And I hope that's true of many of you because um, one of my best jobs is ordaining people. So please keep me busy. Um, because I've, I want us all to be signs together of the hope for the world, which a confirmation like this represents, but hope for the world that we will stand with courage and with purpose, uh, believing that even if institutions come and go, I don't think, don't tell anybody, but I don't think I'm going I'm to give up um, the ghost for the Church of England as an institution. But God is faithful. The Church will, will survive and thrive and it will survive and thrive because in each generation, God raises up people like you and me uh, to serve him as priests and teachers and doctors and dustmen and business people. Um, whatever the call, um, we are asked to respond to our faithful God. And now is the day of salvation. Right here is the year of the Lord's favour. Amen. I invite the candidates, please, to stand in your places. Have you been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit? I have. That's good, nice and loud, well done. Are you ready with your own mouth and from your own heart to affirm your faith in Jesus Christ? I am. People of God, 
will you welcome these candidates and uphold them in their life in Christ? In baptism, God calls us out of darkness into his marvellous light. To follow Christ means dying to sin and rising to new life with him. Therefore I ask, do you reject the devil and all rebellion against God? Do you renounce the deceit and corruption of evil? Do you repent of the sins that separate us from God and neighbour? Do you turn to Christ as Saviour? Do you submit to Christ as Lord? Do you come to Christ, the way, the truth, and the life? May God, who has given you the desire to follow Christ, give you strength to continue in the way. Amen. Would you please stand, if you're able? Brothers and sisters, I ask you to profess together with these candidates the faith of the Church. Do you believe and trust in God the Father? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe and trust in his Son, Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe and trust in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I invite the congregation to sit, but the, the candidates to remain standing. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who has made heaven and earth. Blessed in the, in the, is the name of the Lord, now and forever. Amen. Almighty and ever-living God, you have given these your servants new birth in baptism by water and the Spirit and have forgiven them all their sins. Let your Holy Spirit rest upon them, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and inward strength, the spirit of knowledge and true godliness, and let their delight be in the fear of the Lord. Amen. I now invite you to come and take your places around the edge of the platform, keeping your feet on the ground, Of course, that's hearts in heaven, just the feet on the ground. Is that all right? That's very good. Now, um, you, I hope you all have your names on a card. Katie, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Ruth, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen.
Steph, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Harry, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Michael, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Helen, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Kerry, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Poppy, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Prisoye, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Heather, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Noah, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Zoe, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Julian, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Lydia, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Heather, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant, with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Timothy, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant, with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Michelle, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Stephen, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Paula, 
God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Emma, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Benjamin, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Belinda, God has called you by name and made you his own. Confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Amen. And all of us join in to pray for our friends. Defend, O Lord, these your servants with your heavenly grace, that they may continue yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until they come to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Would you please turn and face uh, a congregation? Because some of you face that way, and so everybody's covered, that's good. Um, do you think we might greet them in the Lord? I think that tells you you're an encouragement to all of us. <laughs>